Well, happy Father's Day for everybody. Well, I should say to all the fathers here this morning, I am excited to be with you guys. I mean, I'm trying to handle my emotions right now because there's so many good people here and so many amazing people that I love and I dearly hold to my heart. And so I'm trying to, I'm actually a little nervous, which is very rare, but that's not a bad thing. That's not a bad thing. How's everybody doing this morning? Okay, everybody's excited. That's good. I'm excited too. I'm glad that um, I, I kind of feel like, you know, keeping with a tradition of our pastor, Pastor John. By the way, give it up for our pastor, Pastor John and Nancy Latch. I mean, my family and I, we were here for three years, literally almost a week off for well, three years. And um, man, they're just amazing people. They really are. And uh, it, was ex it was just, uh, uh, we came down in 2019 and from Gainesville, Florida. And, you know, like eight months later, you know, pandemic hit. So we were like, okay, I guess this is the way we're going to pastor and help Nancy and, and John. And, and as you know, you know, it's almost like the world came to a standstill. And it was a difficult time. But at the same time, we saw amazing things happen in our midst. And um, uh, our hearts is always in this place. Um, we have created uh, some amazing relationship with people here um, that I think that it will go into, uh, you know, we go away with the Lord. And um, just uh, it's just amazing to be here. And it's hard for even me express my words. Um, but as Obanu said, um, my brother, Emmanuel, he said that I, there were some VIP people here. And I do want to recognize my family. I don't have a picture up there, but they're here with me. My wife, Karina, we've been married for 18 years. She's an amazing woman of God. I mean, it's just what you see here would not be here if it wasn't because an amazing woman like her. Um, Isabella, she's um, 16 years old. Um, she's amazing. Annabelle, she's 13 years old. And my boy Daniel, that I'm sure is in kids' church, enjoying himself. He's 10 years old. And uh, it's just an honor and a pleasure and really uh, exciting to be here with you this morning. Um, if you, you know, I was going to do some dad jokes. <laughs> but last night I was testing it, right? And so one of our friends, I was, we were staying with them, and, and, and so I brought the joke down, and I'm like, hey, wh what do you think about this joke? And the first thing he says, like, oh, Robert, I heard that in school already. I'm like, you know what? I'm not even going to say no jokes, but do you guys want to hear one? Yeah. Okay, good. Let me, let me just kind of like, so... What do you call a cow that has no legs? I know somebody knows this. Come on, Dad. What did you say? Ground beef. Give it up for the guy back there. Yeah, there you go. Pastor Malik, make sure, hey, get your prize from Pastor Malik. He's actually got a gift card for you. I think he said he's going to give $100 or something out of his paycheck. Yeah, so he said something like that. I got one more. Is that okay? One more? Okay, one more. Um, let's see here. I got a few to choose from. Um, when, were, when was Adam created? 
I know somebody knows this. Adam was created in Genesis. That is correct. But when in Genesis? Not the chapter, not the Bible. What time was Adam created? Adam was created a little before Eve. Okay. See what I'm saying? So these, these are dad jokes. There's a reason for that. And some of you guys are like, okay, I'm getting to go and, you know, go on about my day. But anyway, there it is. Welcome to fatherhood. How about that? Amen. Amen. Give it off one time for the, <laughs> for the jokes. I definitely, I am not good with jokes. Trust me. Hey, if you stand to your feet so we can honor the reading of God's word, who's ready to jump into the word this morning? All right, I got a few of you guys. Hey, by the end of this, I'm hoping that everybody will be on board. But let's try it one more time. Who is ready to jump onto the word of God? Okay, amen. Hey, we're going to read from John chapter 14, starting in verse 1. And it says like this, and I think you got it up on your screen. It says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Look at your neighbor and say, hey, don't be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. There is more than enough room in my father's house. If this were not so, will I have told you that I am going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. Isn't that comforting? Verse 4. And you know the way to where I am going. And obviously there's got to be somebody in the crowd or in the group that is like, I have no idea where you're going. But where are you going, right? So Thomas says, no, we don't, Lord. We have no idea where you're going. How can we know the way? And here it is, the most famous passage that we always hear about Jesus, or one of them. And it says, Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to me except through the Father. I'm sorry, backwards. I, maybe I'm looking at it differently. Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one come to the Father except through me. There you go. Sounds better. And actually, this passage here speaks about the exclusivity of Jesus, which is profound. Verse 7, if, if you have ready, if you really known me, you know who, I, who my Father is. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. In verse 8, which is kind of like the verse that I'm going to kind of like wrap this talk you know, around. It says, Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and we will be satisfied. Show us the Father and we will be satisfied. And it's almost like even the sensing that I have in my heart that some of us, that is what we're desiring even right now. It's almost like this, there's a longing within us that is saying, show us the Father. What is the Father like? Another version says it like this. If we see the Father, we will be fulfilled. It says that it will be enough for us if we see the Father. We will be content if we see the Father. That 
It's all we need if we see the Father. Let us pray. Father, reveal yourself to us this morning. In Jesus' name. Amen. You may have a seat. Give somebody a high five next to you. And ask him this, ask this question. Just ask him just straight up. Say, hey, what is the father like? Go ahead, ask your neighbor, what is the father like? I believe that we are in a great need for the Holy Spirit to reveal to us the father in this hour, in our culture, in our time. I believe that the scripture gives us much of what the father is like. And one of the things is that we want to reveal or we want to see that it reveals to us his glory, his beauty, his majesty, and the greatness of who he is. Because there's something within us, there's a desire that we have within our hearts that is crying out as Jesus, when he was on the cross, says, Abba, Father. In the revelation of the Father, I believe, is supreme when it comes to our walk in this life. God has always in the Old Testament been shown as the king, the judge, the warrior, the bridegroom, the master, the healer, the provider, etc., etc., etc. In the law, in the prophets, in the psalm, we can see God's fatherly attributes being displayed and coming out. However, although in the Old Testament it was shown, although it was, so, it was shown there, when Jesus came to the picture, when Jesus, when the Father revealed the, the Son, that's when Israel began to realize, oh, wait a minute. There's something about this Father in heaven. There's an account in, uh, I think it's in John chapter 10, where Jesus is having this dialogue with a, with a Pharisee. It's really kind of like uh, towards the end of the, of the chapter, it talks about that he kind of like escaped out of, the, out of the crowd because they wanted to stone him. And, and it's not, it was not so much because uh, he was debating with them about you know, the, the sheep and the shepherd and how you know, if one sheep is lost, he'll go and find them and bring it back. It was not about that. It was because Jesus said one of the most difficult things in his time for the religious leaders, and it was this. He says, I and the Father are one. Can you imagine showing up to Jerusalem, the epicenter of what it is, uh, uh, the religious leaders' um, temple is there, and it's like he shows up, he said, I and the Father are one. I mean, that stored up some junk, didn't it? When it comes to parenting, when it comes to fatherhood, there's no question that parenting styles impact kids' future. No pressure. Please, don't feel no pressure, right? Because according to many parenting studies, it is oftentimes motherhood that dominates. And the reality with that is leaving the question of how good of a father we're supposed to be somewhere in the shadows. 
Each Father's Day, we're literally reminded that we must do better. Right? Am I the only one that hears that sometimes? Like, that we must do better. That we must raise the bar of fathering, right? That we are to be more involved or that we're not involved enough or that um, we're not encouraging enough or that we are not present enough. And to be honest with you, I actually agree with that. You must say, Robert, how is even that so? Because I feel it. I feel the tension myself because I got four kids. And I know what it's like. See, the reality is that there is no perfect father. And we will never be, will be perfect fathers. If you're a father here today, chances are we are in the same boat. We're not perfect. But see, the reality is that we're not called to be perfect. Can somebody say amen? We're not called to be perfect, but we're called to be Consistent and intentional. And because of this, we as fathers, we need to realize that our consistency and our intentionality sometimes doesn't come, it doesn't come pretty. It really don't. And because of that, we need to depend upon, not ourselves, we need to hope and trust, we need to seek guidance and wisdom, we need to depend upon and hold on to, to our perfect heavenly Father. I have one big idea, one big thought to kind of wrap around this whole talk, and, and I'm hoping that by the end of this, us fathers or even mothers or any of us will walk out of this room with a deep revelation of the love of our heavenly Father. My big idea is this, we're not perfect, but if you look to our perfect heavenly father, we can become consistent and intentional. Dads, listen to me. I know, I'm a father, we're not perfect, but if we look to our heavenly father, we can become consistent and intentional in our fathering. Is that even a word, fathering? Maybe? I, I don't know, any, any English major here? No? Fathering? It is. Okay, good. Amen. Amen. Pastor John is not here, so I know he's like, he's got it, right? Amen. Dads, we're not perfect, but we look to the perfect Heavenly Father for us to be consistent and intentional. What is the Father like? What is the Father like? I was about to call some names. I'm like, man, oh, what's up? I'm like, all right, let me, let me keep focus here. So many amazing people in this church. I love you guys. What is the father like? Point number one, he is always present. He is always present. Research shows that when fathers are involved in the life of their children, they're two times more likely to go to college. It says that 80% less likely to spend time in prison. They're 75% less likely to experience teen pregnancy. Children in father-absent homes account for 
71% of all high school dropouts. That's staggering. 90% of homeless and runaway children. 63% of youth suicides. For fathers, in our culture, in our present time, it is a struggle for us to be present. There's a lot of things that keep us distracted from us being present in the life of our children. Work gets in the way. Technology now gets in the way. Entertainment gets in the way. We ourselves get in the way, don't we? All the time. Early on in our marriage, my wife and I, Karina, um, one of the things, one of the values that we wanted to bring to our family was that we always wanted to um, have a sacred, or I should say, we treated it as if it was a sacred th time for us to have dinner together. And so for us, we realized, like, man, we really want to raise our kids where dinner time is like a moment where, you know, we kind of like share some like insight about God and kind of like trying to raise them in the ways of the Lord. Now, those are good moments and all that, but let me tell you, dinner time in our home has become a place where correction happens, craziness happens, everybody trying to buy into like talking at the same time. And, and, and not only that, it becomes a place where in the dinner table there's repentance, there's forgiveness. We oftentimes find ourselves really encouraging each other and also sometimes pretty upset at each other. So for us, dinner time has become a place where we know we need to bring our presence. Sometimes if one of us is out, it feels kind of weird because we realize that all of us, all five of us, when we sit around the table, we bring something to our family. And so literally for the last 18 years, we are like, we aim for at least six days out of seven days for us to sit down and eat dinner together. Thanked by, I've got to say thanks to the grace of God and my wife. <laughs> I have to say it like that, in my wife. Because oftentimes she will say, oh, your schedule is packed. Guess what? That means that out of six, seven days, you, you're only going to be home five. So that means that if, you know, the other ones, the other two days, we're going to have to figure out, like, we can move uh, dinner to the early afternoon or we can move dinner in the late after, you know, evening. Why? Because for us, the presence of daddy being at the table is important. Psalm 139 says, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise up in the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me, your right hand will hold me fast. See, God's omnipresent in his manifestation of the presence is two totally different things. The omnipresence of God in his manifest presence is two totally different things. One is a fact, omnipresence, that's a fact. That's an attribute of God. That's a fact. The other one is often revolve around our emotions, right? And so even in the moments that we're not aware, 
He is always there. John Piper says it like this. He says, when, when you can perceive God doing three things, rest assured he's doing 10,000 other things. He's always present and he's always doing something. Yes, he wants us to sense his presence, but he's more concerned that you trust him than that you feel him. This is why we're called to walk by faith, not by sight. And that sometimes can be hard. Why? Because we have emotions that are created by God. But really the reality is that our emotions are created by God for us to express ourselves back to him. See, there's a lot of examples in the Bible that talks about the presence of God. There's this one example about the Israelites when they were like led out of Egypt, right? And, and so they're out in the wilderness for almost 40 years. And there's a part in the scripture that talks about that they were, uh, they were guided by God cloud by day. Cloud by day. Fire by night, right? And so can you imagine an Israelite, a man, a father, a husband, He's somewhere camping out with everybody else. Because back in those days they had tents. They're camping out. They're like year number 34 or whatever into the 40-year journey. And, and here it is, this cloud by night, this fire. I'm sorry, this, this fire by night. And he opens up the flap of his tent and he looks up and he sees the fire still there. And he turns to the assurance to assure his wife, and he says, honey, don't worry. God is still with us. How about when you, can, when you think about the disciples? They're in the middle of the sea, in a storm, in a boat. And here it is, Jesus is coming out. They're freaking out. They're really like, well, we're, we're fishermen and we're going to die. You would think that they know how to swim, right? But even in the storm, I mean, I could just imagine it's got to be crazy. And, in a, and then, then there comes Jesus this, and says these comforting words. He says, don't be afraid. Take courage. I am with you. How comforting is that? That God is always with us. And just like our perfect Heavenly Father is always with us when your children is facing a wilderness experience. When they are facing a storm, when, they, when they're becoming adults or their adult, your adult kid is going through a fiery furnace. Or when they go off to college, right? And, and, and they enter into the valley of the shadow of death. There's something about dad's presence that changes, presence that changes everything. See, he's not just always presence. Not only he's always with us, point number two, he is also powerful. Tell your neighbor he is powerful. When we think of power, specifically in humans, in us, right, oftentimes we think about somebody tall, big, muscular, clean cut, and somebody that looks strong, right? I don't know why. I mean, maybe I'm wrong in this, but it makes me think of Pastor Malik. It really does, right? I don't know why, you know. It, it is what it is, you know. 
Um, see, uh, uh, when we were kids, I don't know if you did this or not. I did this. You will go up to your little friend, maybe in like an elementary times or whatever. It's like, hey, my dad is stronger than your dad. Anybody ever remember that? Did, did, did anybody, I think just about every human done that, right? It's like, my dad is stronger than your dad. Well, my dad can beat up your dad. No, my dad, actually, my dad has a submarine in the backyard. <laughs> I mean, literally, we say these things, right? Because there is this view of our fathers that we have that they're strong, that they're mighty, that they're powerful. See, since a, since a young age, that's our perception of it. It might not be reality, but it's the perception of it, right? Job 26 says it like this in verse 14. These are just the beginning of all that he does. Merely a whisper of his power. A whisper of his power. But who then? can comprehend the thunder of his power. That's, that's all powerful. Now think about it like this. In physics, power, when we think about power in physics, right, is the amount of energy that we can transfer. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not about to do any schooling right now. I'm just saying. I'm just kind of like, you know, going with, just go with the flow. Go with the flow, right? Power is the, the amount of energy that you're able to transfer. But see, power is not limited only to the physical world. Can somebody say amen? Amen. Watch. It says in Ephesians 3.20, it says, Now to him who is able to do far abundantly all, than all that, at, that we can ask or think of, according, according to the power at work within us. So there's something that we're not able to see in the physical realm that is actually manifesting within us that the Bible talks about that there is this power. Now, what power is this? We're like, oh, the Holy Spirit, Robert. Oh, yeah, of course. I know that. But listen, Romans 8, 11 says it like this. If, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. So if in the physical world, power is the amount of energy that you are able to transfer, not what more so in the spirit that we have the power that is omnipotent from our Heavenly Father. See, power with all, with power will have and depend upon your connectivity to a source. So, for example, if you say, um, you know, it's all about me, what I want, when I want it, how I want it. Well, you just kind of like literally limit yourself. Because as a, as a source of power that we are individually by ourselves, we're pretty fragile. We're pretty weak. Can somebody say amen to that? Do you agree with that? Right? If my life posture is connected to a source that is omnipotent, that has power to bring the dead to life, that has power to heal the sick, that has power to heal diseases, now this, is, this, this power has the capacity and the ability 
to bring that which is in chaos in our lives or in our children's lives to bring it into order. That is able to bring any dead situation back into life. If we live our lives with our posture looking to our perfect heavenly Father and living out the truth that the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead resides in us now, we have what it takes to command evil to go from our children. We have what it takes through the power of the spirit of God to speak against principalities and powers and the rulers of the air that we can able to push away anything that is coming against and attacking our children. And think about it, even now more so that there's an all-out attack in our children, in our culture. And you must say, Robert, you know, this whole thing about power sounds good. You're loud, you're, you're loud. Your, your voice sounds powerful. Oh, wow. Yeah, like, yeah, that's all great. And Danny, I hear you. I'm really weak, Robert. I don't have what it takes. And I may say to you, you know what? I, I understand you. Because there's moments that I feel very weak. But this is where we don't depend upon how we feel. Sometimes we need to see it in black and white. And the Bible says it very clear in 2 Corinthians 12, 9. It says, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in you. Now think about that for a second. There is actually a perfect power for every situation. And in those moments that we're feeling weak, those are the moments that we need to depend upon our Heavenly Father. See, <laughs> we might not be able to ever become a perfect human father. But this is why we look to our perfect Heavenly Father. Because He is forever present. He is powerful. But then He also has a plan. He also has a plan. By the way, that's... Point number three, he also has a plan. Who's a planner in here? Who likes to plan? Raise your hand. Okay. Um, so if, if you have, who has your agenda or your planner with you? Anybody? Anybody has their planner with them? Okay. So some, uh, Pastor Malik, uh, there's another $100 that you got to give. There's a lady that brought her planner. So one of the gifts was that if anybody brought their planner, uh, Pastor Malik was going to give them $100. See Pastor Malik at the end of service. Um, so, so in our family, we like to plan, right? So there's a couple of quotes that says like, hey, if you fail to plan, you plan to fail, right? Like it's just the reality. If you aim at nothing, you will always hit it, right? So we have to have some sort of order in our life, right? As a family in our lives, in our family, I, I tell you, we, we're interesting. We're very interesting. We're really like, you know, it's just, we, we started like you know, bringing in the kids. They're in an age right now that you can bring them in to try to like plan together, right? And so at the beginning of this year, you know, we went all out. We bought an easel board thing, you know, all these uh, <laughs> dry erase. I think we got a dry erase board or whatever. Anyway, we got like calendars all over the place and, you know, yearly calendar. And, and we are a family that likes to plan. We do. We plan. And the way we do it is like this. We actually, we look at a calendar and we say, okay, what is priority? What are the most important things? And we start off with those things that we call anchor dates. So, for example, it will be like 
our anniversary, right? My wife and I anniversary. That's an anchor day. We look at birthdays. That's another anchor day. We look at holidays, right? A lot of times our lives is revolving around some of the things of, you know, that is happening like 4th of July. I don't know why. Like 4th of July, like it's my birthday. And there's always like a party. I, I mean, how, how awesome that is that all I have to do is like, when I told my wife, my wife always asks me, I don't think she gets it by now, but she always says, like, what do you want to do for your birthday? I'm like, I just, just get a couple of people together and let's just eat. Because it's already going to be a party. We don't have to do much, right? We just get some food, get some people, and have a great time together. Anyway, so these are ankle dates, anchor dates that we, you know, kind of mark when school starts, when school's ending, right? What kind of functioning, what kind of things are the kids got going on? You know, these are anchor dates in our life. And hopefully you're taking notes if you don't plan for your family or whatever. But, um, but sometimes things don't go as planned. Can somebody say, that's right. Right? Sometimes things don't go as planned. Don't go, go as planned. When it comes to our kids and their future, if you're like me, human, we often get concerned and constant thought of what our kids will turn out to be like. Right? What college will they go to? What spouse will they choose? Right? Like, like what kind of career are they going to choose? Are they going to choose a career that is going to give them enough money for them to sustain, that they don't have to be knocking on our door asking for money? Like, literally, these are things that go through my head. Right? And so for us, you know, although we may plan things, see, one thing is for certain about the future of our children. We don't know what the future holds. And we don't have control over that. But there's something that we have control over. At least while they are under our care. And that is that we can be consistent and intentional the way we lead. And the Bible says that train a child as he should go, right? And he will not depart from it. And so in Jeremiah 29, 11, it says, for I know, everybody says, for I know. The plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. See, within this passage, there's three powerful words that surely I don't have. For I know. There's something about knowing what the future holds. See, I don't have it. But I know that our perfect heavenly father does. So it is in me. For me to be intentional and consistent in seeking him and going after him and connecting with him. Because outside of him, I will be limited. And then if my child for some reason, well, I don't speak that this over them. If they go haywire and they make choices that is going to bring a lot of destruction to their life. You know what? I can rest assured that I can say, I try. At least I try. And I don't have to carry the burden that, oh, because of me and because I didn't try hard enough, this is the way they turned out. You know, there's a joke that I always, you know, tell my wife. She don't like to hear it, but I, I like to say it. And I say this. I say, when I die in my tombstone, I want these words. A man that die trying. I, I, I want to really die trying. I don't want to give up. I really don't. Because there's a lot of us, even right now in this room, that feel that you want to give up. But we need to look into our Heavenly Father in knowing that 
He is perfect in all of his ways. And he is faithful. Proverbs 19, 21 says, Many are the plans of the mind of man, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. No human father is perfect, but this is why we look to our perfect heavenly father. He is always present. He is powerful. He has a plan, and he always provides. Somebody say, he always provides. Back in 2008, when the Great Recession, uh, recession started, um, I, I was working in surveying, and like many of us, you know, if you remember those days, um, uh, a lot of us lost our jobs, and, and you know, our, the economy tanked, and, and so for us, it was a difficult time. You know, 2008, 2009, all the way to 2012, it was some difficult time. I lost my job, I filed for unemployment, and this actually became the, the, the main source of income for us. And see, I remember vividly feeling the feeling of despair and hopelessness. Now, mind you, I, we already had kids. Our two daughters were already born. So as a father, as a provider, as the main provider, I felt like, man, I'm failing my family. I don't have what it takes. And you might say, Robert, Robert, were you looking for work? Man, I was looking for work everywhere. To the point that one day in Gainesville, Florida, there's four main exits, exits in the highway. And at each exit, there's right off the highway, within a mile, there's um, McDonald's. And so I started all the way on the northern side of Gainesville, uh, 39th Avenue, and went to that McDonald's. They said, hey, we're not hiring. Hop on the interstate, went to the next exit, went to the next McDonald's. McDonald's. I mean, I was, that's, that's how desperate I was because I wanted to provide for my family. And I went on, on, on to the last exit, and everybody was saying the same thing. We're not hiring. We're not hiring. And I remember vividly just feeling just totally, I was like, man, this is just. And out of nowhere, I think I got a phone call from somebody. I may be getting the story wrong. My wife will tell you exactly how the story goes. You can ask her after service. <laughs> um, I think I got a phone call from somebody and say, hey, I got something for you to come pick up. And so I show up to these people's house, and next thing you know, they hand me an envelope. I say, hey, this is for you. The Lord just kind of put it on our hearts to give it to you. And as I'm driving, I'm like, okay, you know, I didn't think of anything of it. I told the person, hey, can you pray for me? And as I'm driving... And I remember, I'm like, oh, let me open up and see what it is. So I'm driving, I'm opening up, you know, this card or whatever. And I opened it up and there was a check for a substantial financial amount. And I was like, man. I mean, my eyes lit up. Now, granted, it was not something that I was going to take care of, like, the next six months. But it was something that I was going to take care of the next two weeks. And that was enough for me. Because I was like, at least I got a little bit of air to breathe right now. And I remember driving west as the sun is going down, which is called dusk, right? <laughs> it's an inside joke. Anyway, dusk. When the sun is going down, and I'm driving west on the street, and, and the sun is going down, and it's like almost like this picture-perfect um, sky comes up. And if you can put that picture up for me, I got this picture up. It was like a perfect picture, and I'm like, oh, wow. And back in those days, by the way, there was no such thing as an iPhone. Well, there was, but I couldn't afford it, right? I didn't have an iPhone. What did I have? I had a 
flip phone, right? So I got the flip phone. I'm going about 45 miles per hour, and I'm trying to take a picture of this sky because I thought it was like, wow, this is beautiful. And I took the picture, got home, and, and obviously we're excited. We're celebrating. We got this check, and, 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 and I showed the picture to him. I was like, oh, baby, look at this picture. And she's like, oh, there, there's a face on there. And I'm like, what? What do you mean? See, that's why you need a wife, right? <laughs> In the clouds, you can paint a picture, right? She's like, there's a, there's a face on there. I'm like, no. And it's like, yeah, there, there's a face. And I don't know if you can see it. I don't know if the resolution of this um, screen can show that. But there's actually a face, like it looks like it's looking down. Anybody sees it? Okay, so a few of you, I get it. It's, it's, it. Trust me, I didn't get it right away. That's why I needed my wife, right? But it, it was almost in that moment that it hit me that our heavenly father is constantly looking down on us, taking care of his children. And I love it because the Bible says, it says it like this. Listen to this, um, Psalm 37, 25 says, I have been young and now I am old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken or their descendants begging for bread. Matthew 6, 26 says it like this, look at the birds, and this is Jesus speaking, they don't plant or harvest or store food in the barns, for your heavenly father, your perfect heavenly father feeds them and aren't you far more valuable than them? No human father is perfect, but this is why we look to our perfect human father, our perfect heavenly father. He is always present. He is powerful. He has a plan. He provides. And my last point, he is passionate. He is passionate. See, passion is having an intense desire to do something. John Piper, in his book, The Wasted Life, he wrote like this. He says, God created us to live with a single passion, to joyfully display his supreme excellence in all spheres, in all spheres of life. The wasted life is the life without this passion. God calls us to pray, to think, to dream, to plan, and to work, not to be made much of, but to make much of him in every part of our lives. In other words, we are to be passionate about him in everything that we do. See, don't be surprised when you see your kids doing what you do. In other words, being passionate about what you're passionate. If you're passionate about money, they're probably going to be they're probably going to become passionate about money. If they're if you're passionate about sports, they're probably going to be passionate about sports. If you're passionate about education, they're going to be passionate about education. If you're passionate about God, if you're passionate about your heavenly Father, most likely they will also be passionate about him. Okay, so you may say, Robert, so what do we do with this? This is a lot. What do we do with this? So I'll tell you what. I got a couple of things that we can do with it. So the first thing is that we can do as fathers is we can be present. But not just present. We need to be passionately present in the life of our kids. 
we have a young boy named Daniel. This boy is like, he is an outgoing extrovert, and his energy in life comes, you know, from other people. And so <laughs> last night we were doing this little game where he's rating each of us, you know. And so he says, literally, for all four of us, he says this. He said, as he's rating us, um, oh, yeah, you guys are great in this and this and this and this and that. But one thing that you all lack is that you guys don't spend enough time with me. Okay, we're not child neglecting the guy. I mean, trust me, we're not. He's fine. Trust me. He's 10 years old. So he can be a little bit exaggerating. We're not neglecting him. But that's the longing of his heart. He likes to spend time with us. And so be present. The, uh, the second thought is um, be passionate about empowering others, specifically empowering your children. The third thing is um, make planning a lifestyle. Order your, put your life in order to where now you're bringing your kids in and there's something about that that is sparks in them. Wow, like we set out to plan something. We had some goals. And even as a young child, they start catching on to that. Like, okay, so that's how we get things accomplished. We get goals in order and we go after them, right? And so there's something about that that helps a child to be able to do that. The, the, the fourth thing is this, be an example to your children and to others of how to be a provider. And lastly, like it is in this last point, and worship team, you can come up. It says, be passionate for God and for his kingdom. You know, I have to say this. My wife, um, my wife will say to me oftentimes, she said, I find you so attractive. I find you so attractive when you're seeking the Lord. <laughs> I find you so attractive when you speak life to the kids. I find you so attractive when you sit at the table and you're able to share a word of wisdom with them. See, God knew what I needed. He knew that I needed an helper. He, need, he knew that I needed someone that was going to hold me accountable as a dad to my children. That I will be consistent and intentional with the way I will be a father to my children. See, at the beginning of this talk, you know, we started talking about, at least I read the scripture that talks about... You know, that Jesus is saying, if you see me, or if you saw me, or if you have seen me acting, you have seen the Father. See, the Father is like the Son. The Father is so passionate for you that he sent his one and only Son to die on a cross for you and me. He went and sent Jesus to the cross for our imperfections, for our fears, for inequities. I mean, he literally sent Jesus to the cross so you and I today can actually have a life. In 1 John um, chapter 3, it says it like this. See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children 
of God. And I love this part. It says, and that is what we are. We are his children. I want to land it with this story. If you stand to your feet, um, as we get into our time of um, our last part of worship here, um, See, I didn't, I didn't come from a home where I had a present father. I didn't come from a home where I had a dad that was powerful. I didn't come from a home that I had a dad that was sitting plan with us. Perhaps my dad was very broken, and he still is. And so we grew up in a home where it was broken. And I did a lot of terrible things. As a young man, as a teenager, I did a lot of terrible things. And I did a lot of harm to my family in many different ways. And so when I went from being a boy into a teenager, adolescent, and, and to becoming an adult, a man... Um, I did a lot of things that led me into a lot of trouble. And I brought pain and hurt to my dad, to my earthly dad. And so life went on, and here I am about 29, 30 years old, and I got rescued by Jesus. My old ways were, you know, left behind, and I got rescued by him. And, and, and here I am, you know, after, you know, 20-something years of following him. I'm like, Lord, I'm still not perfect. I, I need your help. But on the journey of kind of like going after Jesus, one thing for sure is this. When you have experienced forgiveness from your perfect heavenly father, there's something within you that starts stirring up. That you're like, man, I, I need to call so-and-so because I offended them. I want to say sorry and I want to ask for forgiveness. See, that's a supernatural divine thing that only comes through the work of the Holy Spirit in us. That doesn't come by new, like our human nature. That's only God. And it only comes when our perfect heavenly Father releases that to us. And it's almost like the revelation of who He is and Jesus sitting on that cross and realizing, wow, my sins are actually forgiven because of that which God did through the Son. And see, here, here I am, I, I did something terrible, and I, I, I ended up uh, causing some real bad pains to my parents, and specifically my dad. And, and, and here I am on the other side of, a, you know, this life of, as a believer, a follower of Jesus, and, and, and one day it just, it dropped. The Holy Spirit put it in my heart, you need to call your dad. Now, to give you a little bit of backstory, my dad and I, we don't, we don't talk. We don't have a relationship. And... It is sad. It really hurts me. But I, I, it, sometimes things are better like that. But this day, I remember like right now, it was um, January of 2004. I'm loving life. I'm loving Jesus. And God said, pick up the phone and call your dad. He's in New York. And so I picked up the phone, called my mom's house. He's there. He's a man of every few words. I said, hey, dad, how are you? good how's the Yankees doing oh yeah they're doing good how's the weather in New York 
Oh, it's cold. Very little words, very awkward, right? And so I'm like, hey, Dad, you know, you remember the one time that, um, you know, X, Y, and Z happened to you, and it was a tragedy, and, and, and it was devastating for you, and, and you were pretty hurt. And um, I just want to let you know that I was behind that. I actually orchestrated that. And on the phone, there was this awkward, about five to ten second silence. And he says, and he's a very soft-spoken man. He's like, no, I, I, I don't remember. And I'm, Dad, how, how can you not remember? Like, you know, uh, and I went to kind of like detail the event. This happened and this happened and, and this is it. Very awkward again. There was a silence and he says, no, I, I don't remember. Uh, and it's like, Dad, how can you not remember? And I went really graphic into explaining the, the thing that happened to him. And I was like, how can you not remember this one thing, Dad? Like, how can that be? And there was an awkward five to ten second silence on the phone. And he said these words. And my dad is a man that speaks very soft and very, like, you know, gentle. He says, I don't remember. Don't you understand? I don't remember. And in that moment, then he stayed quiet. And I'm like, and it hit me. I'm like, it was almost like the loud voice of the perfect heavenly father saying, Robert, you're trying to bring something from the past that I already paid for with my son Jesus. It is time for you to forgive yourself. And in that moment, I realized God was using my dad to help me understand that I didn't need to hold anything for my past. That I was already forgiven. Perhaps you might be here today and your dad was not present in your life. Or maybe your earthly father they have has not had what it takes in your eyes to be able to feel the, the assurance that you need as a person, as a woman, as a man. And I want to reassure you of this. We, we serve and follow and believe in a perfect heavenly father that no matter where you're at and what has happened to you, you are his children. Like he is, you are his favorite. And he is so in love with you. And he so desire to bring you into his arms that whatever pain you've been through, he is saying, I don't remember. I don't remember. And it's almost like you need to hear, I don't remember. And it's almost like you need to forgive yourself saying, I don't even remember what happened in the past. And I believe that God is able to forgive us. If you have not forgiven yourself, he's able to forgive you. 